Hi, welcome to the Still Loading Podcast. We have kind of, I guess, you guys are like the residents here, you know what I mean? It's not even guests anymore. I think this is just who we are, so. Pretty much. It's just, it's just what we do. Uh, but we have Kaylees. Hello. We got Jake. Yo. And we got Jared. Hi there. And my name is Dylan Del Campo. Uh, today we're going to be talking about, I guess, kind of this idea because uh, of, is God petty? And I think I wanted to talk about this idea because I think specifically millennials and then I think every generation after um, is kind of influenced by church leaders, but more in a negative context. And so uh, when we look at God through the the lens of people and through the lens of like church leaders who may have messed up or may have failed or led you astray, I think we tend to believe that God's just this petty rule book keeping um, rule keeper in the sky waiting for us to mess up type of person. And we've talked about it before, but I think this episode we're really going to focus on it and focus on um, people who have left the church and people who have just turned completely from it because you know this can't this isn't the right way like there's no way because these people are awful which can be true sometimes you know uh people are awful it's in the bible people are wicked turn to their wicked ways all the time uh we do as human beings so this is more of the glaring topics that i think affects um our generation and like i said i think the generations um to come but when we see god that way or when we have friends because i have friends uh jake we grew kind of like in our young adulthood or whatever, right? Serving. And there's a lot of people from that that time in our lives that have turned away or who do not care at all anymore, yeah. you know? And so um, what does this mean, I guess? And what is all those thoughts that I talked about? Um, what do you guys see about that? What if you, you were to narrow it down that? to one question, what would the question be? Uh, is God petty? Because okay. we see... That's like what we're talking about, but also, so, uh, okay, how do I, how do I boil this down? Hold on. <laughs> I didn't know how to respond to all of that. Uh, so when those people are petty, when the people are petty around us and act like rule keepers, people tend to see God that way. And therefore, uh, what do we do about that? What do we think about that? Okay. Does that make sense? I think so. I, okay. 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 <laughs> From what I can understand, <laughs> stop dude. Uh, I think, and now you're going to make fun of me for saying this. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Because I think we do need to like figure out what we mean by petty. Uh-huh. Right? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I, I do think that you can say, is God petty in his judgment? Is he petty in the way he looks at sin? Is he petty in listening to your prayers like are, are your prayers petty to him i feel like those first two mm-hmm. that's, that's what, what we're talking to, about is like god petty like if i say a cuss word it's got to be like oh oh how dare you jared <laughs> yeah okay so that's the <laughs> so, definition yeah that's what i think we're getting into then i think it's something worth saying is that i don't know that he's petty but i do think he's serious about the things that he says in the bible mm-hmm. i think he's very serious about those things and i think even by asking the question, is God petty? I think what we're really asking is how much can I get away with? Mm-hmm. Right. We're asking like, hmm, but can I still do this? Right. And that's to me is just, it's an incorrect approach to Jesus as a whole. Whereas our thought, if our thought is how much can I get away with? How much will God let me do before he gets mad at me? I think in my head, it should be the opposite. It should be, 
what is getting in the way of me and God, right? And I think naturally as humans, we have a rebellious nature to where we want to say, well, how, what are the limits? Let me push the limits. Mm-hmm. Last thing I'll say is that I think we got to this place, by the way, is because there was a generation of people who were maybe very hard on the rules and the legalism and mm-hmm. whatever. And so now you have a generation of primarily millennials that are like, no, look, I don't have to wear a suit at church. I can have <laughs> tattoos. Like, uh-huh. And we're almost trying to prove a point of how far we can go, uh-huh. right? So oh. do you have something you want to say? No, just millennials are corny. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, dude. I love us. <laughs> I love dumb. me. But continue. I think... Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And I like that idea of the question shouldn't be how much can I get away with, but the question should be, okay, God, what do you want from me? Yes. Um, and yes, those have been inner, or they've been entangled with each other of uh, that's not okay, but this is okay with the generation that came before us, right? So it's yeah. like, yeah, we've kind of been uh, inherited this idea. Right. So. My question still, though, is like, what do we do with this? And how do we as a church kind of move forward from that and even talk about that and provide that area um, for people to grow through that, for people to ask those tough questions, for people to um, ask about something and not be met with the, oh, no, don't. Don't bring that up. Yeah. And instead be met with, hmm, that's interesting. Let's let's talk about that together. Let's ponder through that together because I know myself personally, I was, have been met with that, uh, growing up and it made, and the fear of God was within me when I was a younger kid. But as I got older, it's kind of like, I'm going to do what I want. You know what I mean? And I didn't Mm -hmm. understand even why it was wrong. You know, I just knew it was quote unquote wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I honestly think we, there's just a generation, like you said, the millennial generation who's been um, neglected and who maybe hasn't been um, walked alongside in the proper way. And that's something that's very near and dear to my heart because there's something about ownership of stuff. Jerry talked about it, just owning up to things and like, this is my generation. I, I think of it that way, like this is mine. Mm-hmm. So what can I do to, to help these people and to help walk them along? And that's something uh, that I want to do. You know, just in everything that I do through the church, uh, through relationships, through this podcast. That's the heart behind this podcast in general. So that way you get a group of millennials together to talk about things who don't necessarily see eye to eye on everything. But it's a place where we just are able to talk about things and kind of go through that. And so I think alleys like this are very important. I think this is just like one small step to moving in the right direction. But what is something maybe that's on your guys' hearts or minds when this idea comes up? I think whether we think God is petty or not, it comes down to a, a foundational view of God mm-hmm. and who he mm-hmm. is. So I think for the longest time, I thought God was petty. And that is from kind of my heart. And so I did kind of see God. Um, to get a little bit of background, I think we've talked about this in many different life groups and stuff like that. But sometimes how we view God is how we view, we see him as kind of like our dad. Mm -hmm. So we take our humanly father and we kind of put God in that box. So my dad is a very traditional, conservative, strong, you know, strong, silent type. Um, It was, 
you do it this way, you do it right the first time. Um, I attribute a lot of my better qualities to my <laughs> father because he taught me to do the right thing and to get get things done the first way and not rely on other people. I don't have to constantly rely on other people because he taught me how to do things and mm -hmm. he taught me how to go figure things out on my own, which is cool. And I'm super grateful. If I could be a tenth of the man my dad is, I'd be awesome. Um, but my dad is very was very strict. That being said, he's conservative uh, father, especially conservative Christian. So when I did the wrong thing, he's like, go to your room wait for dad. And I was like, <laughs> just <laughs> sitting there crying. Huh? Like seriously, like I remember repenting to God <laughs> when my dad came in. I was like, God, like, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Don't don't let my father unleash his wrath on me. You know, it was so scary. And my dad was never like that. Like, obviously, I got disciplined, but it's like my dad is such a cool, like, kind, sweet guy. But that's how I thought God was. And whenever I made a mistake, like, a big part of kind of who I am is a, it's kind of letting go of a lot of shame. Mm -hmm. So as a Christian, like, that's the thing. Like, I remember. There's a joke, you know, among, I guess, amongst like Christian circles, stuff like that. But when I was going through with the backgrounds as a police officer, I can like confessed everything to my, uh, <laughs> to my background, uh, you know, whoever it was. And so, so the guy was like, you Catholic, you seem like you got a lot of shame on your plate. And I was like, I'm not a Catholic. <laughs> did he really? <laughs> he did. It was really funny. You know, That's so interesting. Yeah, though. it was. But cause like he, I told him like, he thought it was like a, a confessional, uh -huh. but like that was me. So I thought God was petty because everything I did, I was like. I felt so much shame and so much burden and you know, that's kind of how uh, I'm recovering from that. Cause it's, it's hard to walk in grace when you're covered in shame, but yeah, mm -hmm. I think at times I view God as petty. I'll still, you know, I'll look at it and I think a lot earlier when I was a less mature Christian, I was like, why can't I just do this? Like, this is stupid. Like I was so upset. And then I was also had that amount of shame that kind of came with it. Like, I think uh, you were just saying a little while ago, like, what can I get away with? Like for me in my personal life, um, a while ago, the main thing was, you know, I had a really strong uh, issue with pornography. So my thing was, you know, I'm not like doing drugs or sleeping around. Like yeah. this is like my secret sin. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's, yeah, just it's my secret. It's just me and my <laughs> sin, you know? And that was like my thing. Like everything else was cool. My My private life was unsullied other than the fact that I had to watch porn every single day. Yes. So I was kind of upset that God was like, I can't do that. But I was like, dude, I'm doing everything else fine. <laughs> I'm perfect in every I'm doing, other way. I am 99 <laughs> out of 100, God. <laughs> but the real answer is that God's not petty. I think I think there are rules, but there's freedom in those rules. Mm -hmm. I don't think God cares if I have tattoos or if I wear a hat in church, which I wasn't allowed to do growing up because it was disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in you a still, church. You still kind of hold to that, though, no? I, I, I still grow... Maybe during prayer or something? You, you know what? I think I still cling to a lot of traditional stuff because I think a foundational uh, moral or something in my life is is respect. So I, I still look at things kind of like that. But, you know, I don't have to wear a shirt and tie to church. Yeah. I think it looks cool, but I don't have to. And I don't think you God cares. Shirt. Hmm? You have to wear a shirt to church. Yeah, a tank top. I wore a tank top to church for. But I think what it comes down to is God cares about what he says in the Bible. And then there are certain things that he does care about that we probably don't think. Like, I'll go out on a limb and say, I think God does care if we cuss. Mm -hmm. I think if you cuss a lot and you don't think God cares, like, you should probably read your Bible. Because I think there are different ways of interpretation, but... I think he does care. Yeah, I think it's just, I think specifically with that issue, it's like the vulgarity of things. Mm -hmm. I think that's really what it yeah. comes down to. Cause it's like these words that, that have been assigned 
a vulgar meaning, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that varies obviously from culture to culture. And oftentimes when you're using those words, it's not to uplift somebody. It's, I don't think it's like ever to ever you know? uplift somebody. So unless you're saying, man, that's cool as shh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> man, Jesus Christ is the sh <laughs> Just kidding. Don't say that's that. terrible. All that to say, yeah. I don't think God's petty. I think we as humans are petty mm -hmm. and if we think god's petty it's because it's our view we have to put it in perspective yeah. yes i think that's kind of the biggest thing to get from this conversation i think is we can't look at human beings as being god as yeah, like absolutely and it's unfortunate when we have representatives um make terrible mistakes you know because those are the ones that's like whoa see there it is that's the example that's who the god you serve is yeah. the, the, this guy and but what's kind of cool is all throughout the whole Bible, and especially the Old Testament, is like God using these imperfect people to do like great things. Now, there's consequences to their actions, you know? Like Solomon, King Solomon was the considered the greatest king and wisest king mm -hmm. of all time. And then he gets a thousand wise, or seven, yeah, a thousand wise, basically. Like 700 and, concubines. Yeah. Can you imagine? I don't what want a to. nightmare. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because he had, so there, it was like 300, <laughs> 700 wives and I think 300 concubines. Yeah, Or yeah, vice yeah. versa. Something like that. I forget the number, but um, he uses them to do great things, right? And then he starts turning and intermarrying with all these people to build mm -hmm. relationships with this city and with that city. And, it and in the end, it just, he turns from God completely. And then we see his line in First Kings. All it does is just talk about... Um, basically how this son messed up now and how this son did evil in the eyes of the Lord and then how this son did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And they're all kings, you know? And so there's definitely consequences. And I think that family line kind of was spoiled because of King Solomon. You know, he, he had something great in front of him, but he decided to turn away. And so using that example for the Israelites, God was leading them the whole time still. And he's leading each and every one of us uh, at all times had the Israelites, had all of them just collectively agreed that even like the prophets and, and the priests and all of them collectively agreed that, okay, who God is is based solely on what King Solomon does, they would have probably all been like, okay, this God dude's a sham. Like, yeah. we're out of here. We're out of here. It's not real at all. And I think um, they didn't do that. And I think that's just an example of in our today's world when we have huge uh, leaders who fail or hu huge church leaders who fail, um, we can't be surprised, honestly. And I've talked about mm -hmm. that. It's not surprising to me anymore when church leaders fail. And it's okay to, and I'm not saying, oh, don't hold people accountable. I know some people will take that as like, oh, you're being okay with what they, it's like, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that the God that I serve isn't embodied in a single human being. He's like the Godhead three in one, God, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And so when I see these people fail, um, it's almost like being surprised when my niece knows how to walk and she bumps her head into something. It's like, oh my gosh, how could that? It's like, dude, how, what do you mean you're surprised that happened? Of She's course, a baby. Yeah. yeah, of course yeah. it's going to happen. Like It's, it's, it's like jumping to... in the pool and being like, oh, I got wet. Yeah. It's like, seriously? Exactly. Why are you surprised by that? Yes. But it, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's like one of those things to where it's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, okay, you messed up. So did I. You want my list of things that I did wrong? Mm -hmm. It's like, we can all lay them out. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I hope that you're not as surprised <laughs> at my list, right? And maybe you won't be because you don't know me, but because people know these other people. 
I think maybe to an extent, the Bible does say that church, that leaders are held to a bit of a higher standard. Absolutely. That's true. Mm-hmm. But I still, at the same time, I agree with you to where it's like, I, what do you expect? You know? And to put expectations on church leaders or pastors or worship leaders or whatever it is to completely mimic Jesus is like impossible. It's not going to happen. I think that's one thing we've done wrong. And you see that when a church leader does mess up and then their church crumbles and it's like they're gone yes it's like okay so you were gathered around him not jesus okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's so this idea is really interesting to me because uh, and it's so hard to know not not i'm not trying to say where the line is but to give two examples of this um an old church i attended one of the pastors it came out that he had um an affair with someone in the church and um that was like devastating heartbreaking mm-hmm. really sad and um they um him and his wife decided to work it out they moved away haven't seen or heard from them since i ho- i hope that they worked it were able to work through that um but it was really it's a sad thing to where it's like you know it's just seeing those relationships broken and so there's an example of a failure another one that i just recently learned about that was a little more public was um i'm sure you guys saw it was that huge leader he had died a little bit ago but it came out that Robbie he Zacharias. had yes yeah mm-hmm. that he came mm-hmm. out and had um uh had sex with and abused uh hundreds yeah. of women throughout his career and time as a pastor and so i looking at those two cases at least in my mind it and this is and you know and i feel like in my mind, this guy's like, oh, this is like really disappointing. This is wrong. I I hope they get healing from this. But then I look at this guy who who had sex with so many young women and girls, and I'm like disgusted by I'm disgusted by both. But I, it, this one feels more wrong to me than this one, mm-hmm. even though they're both wrong. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. It's it's interesting that I think we can, in our human minds, look at things with varying degrees of wrongness so to speak or this is more wrong than that but in god's eyes it's all like sin is there's no one sin bigger than the other um i don't know that it that's just what came to mind when you guys were talking about this with this idea of church leaders but it's you know i hope people are horrified by the things that someone does to you know have these like extramarital affairs and abuse and and cause these things um but like, where did, where, I guess, where did, where did these ideas fall within this conversation of, well, you know, like we mess up, like how, how do we go forward with that? Mm-hmm. I think obviously with his situation, one, I'm not, I'm not going to talk ill on somebody who's dead. I'm just not yeah. going to do that. Um, but obviously he should have been held accountable for stuff like that. Every, like, and Jake said, um, church leaders are held to a higher standard, you know, and there's like legal matters with that whole yeah. thing too. So that's yeah. like a... Whenever there's legal matters, it's like, yes, there's grace, but you... Consequences. Yes, you're going to get the consequences. As you should. Exactly. And I think to bring it back to where, um, to that, I guess, the individual level, because I think we're kind of all on this level, and I think our generation is on the same platform where um, when we did go to church, obviously we still go, but I know friends, it's like, they were kind of asking those same questions of like, do I get grace for this? Or is this... 
not filled with grace or am I forgiven with this? And it goes back to a little bit what we were talking about earlier too, of just asking the question of, instead of asking like, where's the line? We should ask what God would want from us. But I think it's funny that we play these circles out in our head and it happens all the time. And I was talking to somebody earlier and I I shared because the past couple mornings I woke up and spent a longer time praying, like an extended amount of time praying in the morning um, because the pop-ups happening this Sunday you know, so I'm going through this circle in my head. It's like, am I just here because a pop-up's <laughs> happening and I want it to be good? Like, God doesn't care about this, huh? And that's like the pettiness of God coming out in my life mm-hmm. and like this vicious cycle that I'm putting myself through um, because I didn't have extended amounts of prayer before, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but it has nothing to do with God. Ex- it has everything to do with you. Exactly. Because yeah. <laughs> obviously God cares about the service that's coming up and he cares about that, but he cared about it three weeks ago too. Yeah. yeah. You know? And three so, months ago. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so I think ultimately we just caught in, get caught up in these circles, you know, where we don't know where God's grace begins and ends, or maybe it, it doesn't end at all, but then where is the, okay, but I'm not going to take advantage of this anymore because that's not right. You know, yeah. and I think instead of unpacking all of those things, people just tend to get upset or hurt by somebody, mm-hmm. and then like, all right, I'm out of here. Totally. Yeah, and I think that to me, from what I can tell, it stems from like we talked about last week, like an emotional thing, to where it's it's God. If someone, if you lost somebody in your life, or someone who maybe is fairly new to faith or whatever and it's like they lost somebody and it's like god how could you this is your fault you did this why'd you let this happen i'm gone never hear from him again that's an emotional reaction right and it's to we have to be able to separate the emotion in our faith which i think there is a lot of emotion i think a lot of us have been emotional due to our faith before Mm -hmm. but those are separate things your faith and your emotions and i think a lot of times we conflate those two things but what i was trying to get at when you're talking about grace is this is maybe my speculation, but I, this is kind of how I see it. I see a genuine heart who's in pursuit of God, right? I'm talking, I don't think God's looking for a perfect heart at all. I think he's looking for a genuine heart and a heart that's in genuine pursuit of him and in pursuit of righteousness and in pursuit of these things and is genuinely like, I'm going for it and uh, I'm willing to, you know, sacrifice for this thing. I believe that that heart is entirely covered in its entirety is covered in grace in its entirety. Um, the, then you, you switch it and you go to the rich young ruler, right? Where he says, he, this guy approaches Jesus and he says, well, how do I inherit eternal life? And he says, keep the commandments. And he says, which ones, right? He wants to know like, okay, which one, what can I get? What are away the with? exact? What are the, uh, yeah, yeah. Give me the, and he goes, okay, you know, love the Lord, your God, love your neighbor, all that stuff. And he goes, yeah, I've done all these things. And then he says, well, sell all your stuff. And he's like, nope, nah, you know? (laughs) And it's like, okay, so you didn't necessarily, you were just afraid and you want, you don't want to go to hell, but you don't actually want to pursue and come with me. You don't actually want to follow me. That's kind of where I I think I draw the line. I think the heart that is in genuine pursuit is completely covered in the grace, past, present, future. I think the heart that is just afraid of hell, uh, I I don't know about that one because I think in order for you to be a follower of Christ, you have to be a follower of Christ. And, you know, Jesus died for the church. And the problem that he had is that his grace was enough for the rich young ruler, but the rich young ruler decided to not accept it. 
mm-hmm. right? He decided mm-hmm. to not actually pursue and accept and follow. Mm-hmm. That's the difference, I think. And mm-hmm. I think one thing cool to point out in that story, and you talked about it, is uh, in that study, is he was asking those questions exactly like you talked about in, like, how much can I like get away? Testing yeah. It. yeah, testing yeah, it. Like, which ones exactly? Like he he probably already felt from God, like I my possessions are all like mean everything to me. He already knew that in his heart, and mm-hmm. he was just hoping, like. That like, Jesus wouldn't yeah, say that. Don't one. say that. And of course, yeah. boom, there mm-hmm. it is. And so he walks away sorrowful. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's when you were bringing up <laughs> this idea of the fear of going to hell, I remember, and it brings me back to kind of what Jared was talking about a little bit earlier. Like you get this idea of God, a lot of what you, from what you grew up of, what the, if you attended church as a child growing up in whatever church you did attend, um, and not that the church I went to is super like fire and brimstone, but I do remember having this visceral fear of hell as a child and having that shape a lot of the way I thought about God growing up, especially mm-hmm. in, in high school and, and getting into college. And those are hard things. And what you were saying, walking in shame, those are hard things to break from when mm-hmm. you grow up, when you years have this this idea of who you think God is, what he thinks about you. And try and then learning wasn't until I got into college and and learned truly more about grace and, and what that means and, and what it does cover um, that you start to kind of I don't want to say heal to make it sound more overdrawn than it is but I, I guess heal from those kind of absolutely um, thoughts you know I, I remember thinking as a kid and in high school that punishments and consequences i would conflate them a lot this idea of if i do x y and z um god's gonna punish me for Mm -hmm. this instead of realizing that your actions what you were saying earlier john your actions have consequences to them that's not necessarily god literally punishing you for a cuss word you said or too much you might have had to drink one time it's like those consequences are because of your physical actions not Mm -hmm. god coming down and you know doing x y and z in your life like for example i thought if i did something wrong by god he would withhold things from me or mm-hmm. he wouldn't allow certain doors to be open for me yeah. and that's in college when things happen it's like this is a result of me sinning doing mm. this one sin years ago is is it's god Ooh, doing yeah. it you. yeah it's Ooh, like yeah. it's haunting god's now punishing me for <laughs> this and he's like saying got you Mm-hmm. You you know what like I mean? Like it finally caught up to you. Exactly. Or like I've been saving this one. <laughs> totally. And it's, those are, I mean, and that can, I can see how for people that can really like harden their view towards God and make them turn away or, or not want to pursue that. If you have, if you grow up that way, if you have those ideas that if you think God is like that, um, because it's, I mean, that's, who wants to be in a relationship with <laughs> a kind of God who is, uh, which God Always is bringing not- up the past. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's so many people throughout the Bible who have failed and yet God lifted them back to a place of like, no, they, you talked about being genuine, like their heart mm-hmm. being genuine, because part of that is having a genuine repentance, right? A genuine exactly. remorse when you do fail. Mm-hmm. Because somebody who doesn't have that, it's like, yeah, it could be in question. It's like, is this Jesus thing really a thing in your life mm-hmm. or not? And so when people have genuine remorse, that puts them back, um, 
you're they're standing there always we're always loved by god right. jesus's sacrifice mm -hmm. was for all for all of time never anything that could take that away there's nothing that could um take us out of the hand of god to those who have accepted it like i'm not talking about salvation oh just love i'm Got talking it. about god's love yes Got it. um but I forgot where I was going with this. You sidetracked me. We're always <laughs> God. We're God's always love. in right standing. We're always in love. God's always in love with uh -huh. us. We were oh yes, about and when we have genuine remorse, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. um, then we do something about that. You know, because I don't know anybody who myself when I mess up and I've really thought about it. And it's like I don't want to do that again. That something hasn't shifted. Granted, mm -hmm. those yeah. shifts, it may not be like this overnight thing that's like, oh, I'm 100% different now. Um, it may take gradual steps to get to where you need to get to. But all throughout the Bible, you see that happening. You see with Peter, Samson, with David, um, even people who messed up. We talked about King Solomon earlier. Um, God still is working in their lives. But mm -hmm. to those, like when we'll talk about in the New Testament, Peter, mm -hmm. when he has a genuine a mess up and he's really remorseful about it he preaches and thousands are saved like 90 mm -hmm. days later 60 days later something like that after he denied jesus three times and i know we use that example a lot but i think it's just so perfect and mm -hmm. such a good picture of to combat that idea that oh my gosh i messed up so god's grace is kind of all dried up here mm -hmm. it, it doesn't work here yeah. you know and i think also having that similar background especially with a uh, very heavy pentecostal flare on it. That was the church I grew up in. Um, I grew up in a church where it's like, you know, there's consequence for the action. And I think, I don't know. I think even today it's like, I think growing up, I, I knew very much about the consequences of sin. Um, you know, the wages of sin are death. And that if we do not live in right standing with Jesus Christ, accept him as our Lord and savior and, you know, repent from our actions, we will go to hell. I knew all about that. Like, I remember being like 10 years old, reading like revelation. And I was like, Oh my gosh, mm. like this is nuts. <laughs> like I just remember seeing that. However, I also feel very grateful because I also knew from a young age, like, hey, like, I knew what right and wrong was. And mm -hmm. it was through the teenage and young adult years where I had the trouble of, yeah, am I going to be punished for everything I did? Or when I was doing the right things and something bad happened to me, I was so mm -hmm. mad at God. Like, I'm literally doing what you want me to do. Mm -hmm. And yet yeah. you let bad things happen to me? Like, how does this work? Mm -hmm. I was That's like, I'm following you. I'm doing the right things. But my life sucks, dude. So what are you doing? <laughs> and it was, and that was me keeping it real. Like, and if you've never had the like, keep it real moment with Jesus, sorry, sorry <laughs> about that. Sucks. <laughs> sorry for being phony. <laughs> but like, I had, I remember having those talks. So I was like, like, what the heck is going on? But, and, and it was, you know, it was through the years where I kind of had to find this balance and I'm still working on it where, you know, you reap what you sow, but you can't look at it as, Oh, you know what? He said, uh, he said, you know, said this word. So I'm going to make sure his tire pops on the way to work or something like that's, uh, that's petty. Yeah, it's that's like, petty. It's yeah, like, God's exactly. not that way. God's no. going to match you with like everything bad that you do. It's like, oh, you did this. Okay. Here's this coming. If you do. Oh, okay, or what Jerry's this. saying the other way, every good thing that you yeah, do, then like, yeah. here you go. if you do a good deed, God's yeah. going to bless you. you I know expect what I mean? all those good things. I'm like, check my bank account. I'm like, dang, I got 10 grand in there. Like what the heck? <laughs> well, okay. Let's go. Let's take that back to the rich young ruler. What did he pose the question and the question fundamentally was wrong because he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Did you, any of you guys have an answer to that question? What, mis, what, what must, must you, you do, do 
Are you just doing like a play on words kind of thing? The question like linguistics is, or what? it's false because when we see that, we understand that it's only because of Jesus, that it's what Jesus did. You mm-hmm. and I can't mm-hmm. do things to earn our way. This guy didn't understand this quite yet because Jesus hadn't yet died and rose from the dead. But you and I understand this and we can see, oh, it's not what I do. It's not a if I do this, then this happens, right? Mm-hmm. It's not It's not the case. Mm-hmm. And we should also be reminded that judgment comes later in our life, in the life of the believer, right? Mm-hmm. Not every action is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to judge this one and this one and this one and this one. It, it's going to come later mm-hmm. and we're going to give account for everything. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thought. I like that. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's, all, that's just kind of my point is like, it's it's uh, just a wrong way of looking at God. It's misrepresenting the, who God is by saying that he's he's the reason for the pop tire. He's the reason for this. He's a, it's not, it's not, nope. And it, it's a matter of perspective too. Cause like just the other day, and maybe this is kind of, you know, going back to a fundamental belief when I, I learned when I was young was uh, I hit a lot of traffic on the way to work and uncharacteristically a lot. <laughs> it's cause you live in California, dude. But no, no, usually like legit it takes me 15 minutes to get to work okay. on the freeway. And I take the 16 to 15. I don't live in Kronos, so I don't have to take, you know, 45 minutes every day. Thank God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it takes me 15 minutes. But this day, it literally took an hour. And I was sitting there in traffic. And it wasn't a thing like, what did I do wrong, God? It, <laughs> I more so looked at it as a kind of those moments uh, on the flip side where I learned this when I was younger was, what's the what's the point? Is there something behind this? Or maybe there maybe there's a reason why mm. I'm going through this traffic. Is there mm. a t- is there some divine thing? Am I overthinking it? Or is it because God's like, no, 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 I want you to go this way instead of this way today. And I remember I sat there and I was like, while I was, you know, listening to uh, my audio Bible as a good Christian man does. <laughs> nice. But I, everything. Trying to get the traffic to clear up. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> the Red Sea, just like, come on, Jesus. But like, I, I sat there and thought, you know, I didn't sit and think of it as a consequence, but same with our personal lives too. If you look at that bad relationship, that time where you messed up in college, that time you got way too drunk when you know you shouldn't have, where you're like, what? what's the point behind that? And you have to take the lesson from it. It's not like, oh, you know, God made this bad thing happen. He's like, no, he provided you an opportunity to learn. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's I think something point. we always have to keep in mind too. It's all about your perspective in the matter. That's a great point. So true. It's just the idea of like, I didn't cause this, but I'll use it, mm-hmm. you know? That's mm-hmm. a that's a good thing. Good point. No, that that is definitely the way that we should look at things as um, people who put their faith in God. But I think that comes down to those who don't put their faith in God and rather the people, mm-hmm. they, they look at it as the, the attack on them. So it's like, screw you. Mm-hmm. Like, screw you, God. <laughs> like, you want to attack me? Okay. <laughs> Whatever. I'm out, you know? And But when we put our faith in a God who reigns overall the good and the bad we know okay god can use this Mm -hmm. for good i mean he used the death of jesus whom before that death was the worst of the worst right Mm -hmm. you people didn't understand or kind of you know there's kind of like glimpses in the bible because it all points to jesus but this eternal afterlife there's like abraham's bosom Mm -hmm. there's like just all those different things but death was the worst right because you're gone you're out and here Jesus uses what was the worst th- possible thing. And still to this day, death is something that terrifies tons of people, believers and non-believers alike. And God used that to show us something better. And mm-hmm. it's just a picture of who God is that in those moments, you're exactly right, Jerry, when the traffic comes or when something terrible happens or when you mess up, mm-hmm. look at it as a teaching moment. 
look at it as a moment where you can move forward and okay what can i take from this what can i learn from this and it goes back to also what you said a few weeks ago of owning it like owning those things because you learn from it well Matt. also realizing that and the, and again this is something that definitely had to be learned but people's actions towards you or wrongs done towards you are are from people they're not from yeah. god right. yes you what god is not using this specific person to punish you like okay, this person is you know gonna say or do something against you that's not god doing it that's literally that person doing it in mm-hmm. their own sin in their own brokenness mm-hmm. you know not putting because i feel like i know at least for me a lot of the times i would conflate people's actions with god's actions mm-hmm. yes yes and, i mean that's all throughout the bible it's jesus says it like people are going to prophesy in my name and um, they're going to say, Jesus, you know who I am. He's going to say, I don't know you. I don't know who you're talking about. And so people are going to come uh, justifying their actions, saying like, no, I'm doing, I want the right thing for you. I want to know. And really, it's just their actions. It's not God's actions. <laughs> like God is, has no hand in what they're doing. They, they decide like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sin. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to cheat on you. I'm going to um, cuss you out, uh, whatever it yeah. may be. And that brokenness comes from a place of brokenness. Exactly. It's just wild to think about. Imagine like, imagine all this, like the talk that we're having right now. Imagine how Job felt. <laughs> like we're when Jerry here, says, like, my life sucks. My, my life sucks. I hit all this traffic or, you know what, God, I got a, I got a C on my test. Job was like, blessed be the name of the Lord. Like, imagine that. Imagine that. And I think that just shows something too. Like modern Christianity, you should take a look at that, like that faithfulness. Continue to serve God in the midst of all that. Where the Israelites were, oh, we're in the desert. We get this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire and manna and quail. And they still complained. Like, yeah, life's not the greatest at times, but God provides if you're faithful, you know. But Job was faithful. He was one Mm -hmm. of the best. And then Satan was like, let me take a crack at him. (laughs) And God's like, all right, do your thing. And he still came out the other side as a, a holy man. Like, it's nuts. Yeah, dude. And I think something that's cool to note on that is he has those friends who were kind of just talking, like, that's what we're talking about, who are like, oh, it's because you're doing something wrong, bro. Uh-huh. Like, you're messing up. They're, they kept asking him, what did you do to yeah. anger God? Yeah. yeah. What did you do? And he's like, nothing. They're like, like, no, you had to do something. Yeah. Nope. This happened. But you notice that he was able to, like, again, separate the emotion from the faith. Mm-hmm. Where it's like he had every reason emotionally mm-hmm. to be like to curse God and yeah, die. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and he doesn't. And uh, even the Israel, you see the Israelites. It was, it was the boils for me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Yuck. I'm out. <laughs> Scrapes it with the plate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jake. No, I was gonna say it's like the Israelites and Moses. And what, I think if you really look at it, what their problem was was like they were tying their emotions to like. That's part of the reason why Moses didn't even make it in. Because he was angry. Because he was so angry. Mm. He was so emotional. And he's like, dude, I'm not going to... Don't put me in the same boat as your emotions. Speak to the rock, kind sir. <laughs> Donkey kicks it. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is a really good thing that we, we should all differentiate. And we can... Going back to our original topic of conversation is like to differentiate the emotion. I was a big fan of Ravi Zacharias. I've followed a lot of his teachings and I watched a lot of his videos. And when I was kind of learning about that i was like really upset about it really? and yeah because it was like oh no not you like it's i actually good name yeah i like i think but then it showed me like oh you regarded him a little too highly didn't you mm. and i was like oh maybe i did yeah maybe i did but in but in that same sense where it's like emotionally i was like that really sucks mm. 
but then I moved on because it's like, well, God's right. still God. God's still way better, way stronger, way smarter. God still used a sinner. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about that. Yeah, God's that's still, the realest part of things. God's absolutely used him 100%. A lot of people came to faith and strengthened their faith through him, mm-hmm. even though he had failures. And that's the same that goes for every single one of us, too. It's like, God will absolutely use you in the midst of your failures. You'll still pay the consequences. You know, you'll still have to deal with what you've mm-hmm. done. But God is still God, whether you're in prison or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's hard to think about too, especially because like I meant to bring it up, but um, how you're saying, Keely, it's like those two examples, one more extreme than the other. But I think, I think especially as humans, um, we're going to assign more, I don't know, more heat to that sexual sin. And it's always going to be more. So it's like in my mind, it's like, oh, some guy who, you know, he did something really bad compared to somebody who, uh, you know, molest children or rapes or does something that is like a special, it's almost like its own special category at times. And I think in, in the Bible even says, you know, um, sexual sin is like something you're committing against yourself and that it stems from a lot of other stuff emotionally, psychologically, but always as humans, we're going to assign a lot more value because it's like you psychologically destroyed another human while you yourself, you're wrecked too. Um, and it's so hard to think about, but a hard part about for me was for a long time was remembering that God could one still use people and he still, his grace is still enough for those people, which is hard to think about because I remember working in a jail in a unit full of people who were all there because they did some sort of sexual crime against mm-hmm. a child. And to me, like, Oof. like for me for a while, like I was like, I got to get out of here because I don't have a heart for these people. And it was still like, I don't know how God can forgive them. I don't. And that's just a lot of like, that's my human side and something I still struggle with. I was like, I don't understand, but God's grace is above my human understanding. And he's, it's still going to forgive those people. Now, whether they choose to do something with it, kind of like Jake was saying, hmm. go through that process of sanctification and walk through and it, it, are they going to repent? Because repentance is a big part. Um, I don't know, but is his mercy enough? Yeah. He will forgive. Can and he will. There's no sin so great that God's going to be like, ah, I can't do that one, man. That one's a little too hard for me. I'm sorry. Shucks. (laughs) Aw, shucks. Can't cover this Golly gee willikers, you stumped me on this one. Well, and like how... You win, sin. And how thankful are we that we are not the... That God is the ultimate judge and we are not. Because, I would be a cruel oh, God. Yes. Seriously, though, I think about that of like, well, thank God it's not on me to judge mm-hmm. these people or to dictate or to be the decider of things. And that mm-hmm. that's all on God. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who gives out the the mm-hmm. grace and, and the justice and whatnot. Because, yeah, that would that's a tough one. I mean, it's like the human side of us. It's so visceral. But I mean... And what you were saying earlier about this whole idea of like people coming to faith through this man who committed terrible, terrible acts. Mm -hmm. It's like your, your faith isn't in that man. It's in God. And I mean, it's, it's like at the end of the day, like God is still holy, Mm -hmm. even when this person Mm -hmm. is not, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And, and if, I don't know. It's, it's a lot to, it's, and it's very like delicate. Obviously these things are delicate topics, but at the end of the day, it's like God is the one who is holy and who gives out the grace and thank God for that. Yeah. And I think to kind of bring it around too with that is I personally think the church 
generation before us were those type who kind of took God's judgment into their hands and they felt mm-hmm. like it was their mission statement to make sure that they reigned down that judgment. And that's a big blanket statement. And I'm not saying all of everybody in this past, it's just, I think there are some who are in that way. And I think those, obviously you said earlier, or somebody said earlier that the negative things always get the biggest attention, mm-hmm. like the bad things. So here comes this massive wave of like, oh my gosh, all churches are like this. So that means God's like this too, just waiting to judge you uh, and cast your sin out, cast you out. And so because of that, we got these, our generation who just feels judged, you know, and it goes mm-hmm. 50-50. It, when, if you're met by loving people and everything, you can't hold that wall up anymore. Like you got to bring that wall down. You know, it's like this 50-50 thing, but... That idea of judgment needs to be our mission statement, I think kind of it worked for a little bit, you know, the fire and brimstone and like, dang, this is working. People are, that fear is working. And I think in the long run, though, it didn't necessarily keep people grounded in something foundational. It gets you in the door, but it doesn't keep you there. Yeah. And I think a response to that. It has created a generation of especially us millennials who are we con- <laughs> we are hurt, man. We feel constantly judged like everyone's out to get us. And I say that as we somebody too. We are. We are. I know so many millennials who have that constant like like judge like they feel judged or like, mm-hmm. you know, not to I know that's not probably really kind, but I feel like a lot of us have this victim. Like we're yeah. oh, everybody's out for us. Oh my gosh. We, every we are the target on everybody's like list that day. However, mm. what I think the church has done to flip the script in a not good way is that yes. millennials are now in charge. So what we do is we're we're not like fire and brimstone. We're not that at all. We are like care bear soft on everything. And I'm not saying there's an equal balance of there has to be an equal balance of truth. And love, which I think we are so much love. I, I'm not saying every church, but I want to say mainstream, popular, you know, Hillsong, LA, mega like churches. mega, not even like mega church, but I would say like a lot of like a, maybe through my own view, Southern California, you know, a lot of like popular churches and stuff like that. The, uh, the hipster church crowd, I guess you can kind of say we're the all about it. Church? Yeah. I think we don't have, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have, um, you know, maybe kind of take a shot. We don't have a lot of pastors and elders and preachers and deacons. We have intellectual thought leaders. We don't have people that will stand <laughs> for the word of Jesus because it's not nice because it's divisive. And oh. what does it say in the Bible? I'm sure somebody can quote it right now, but he came to separate, you know, was a mother and son mother, and all father, that. father, mother from their son. Uh-huh. Exactly. And the word of God was never meant to be this like care bear Bible Christian, it, it is divisive because people need to stand up for the truth. So I'm not saying that we can't love people. We do truth and love. There's grace and judgment. There has to be an equal balance. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm praying that sometime in my lifetime that we, I saw the pendulum go from the fire and brimstone and now it's this, you know, like cotton candy Christianity. And I hope it swings somewhere towards the middle that we can be part of that change to bring it together because mm-hmm. it's, it's unbalanced right now. Part of the problem. And I think a lot of where that issue stems is, is what you were talking about earlier, Jake, is that when you get these people who, who are tend to be a little more on the, uh, as you say, soft side and, and that kind of thing, it's like, you're, they're coming at it from an emotional standpoint. They want to feel like 
they want to get you on an emotional high and Tickle make you feel good exactly and it's not you know sometimes we don't want to hear the things that are truth because they're not they don't make us feel great a lot of times right so a lot of these uh pastors at churches will give messages that are very um you know but in like you're great you know the feel good god stuff. loves you yeah. feel good exactly mm-hmm. so that way you're on an emotional high so you come back and that way you know, it's all, and that t- reminds me of what you were saying earlier, Jake, about how our faith is so emotional sometimes. And yes. I feel like people are preying on that and taking advantage of that. Yes. Jake's ready to explode <laughs> right now. <laughs> I know him. I just see it in his mind. His mind's just, yeah. There's a Where lot of stuff. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I think like what you were saying, it's like you have a, a ship that's sinking. So everybody runs to the opposite side to keep it afloat and then it starts slipping on that side. And everyone's the opposite side, then it slips on that side, right? And you're just like, okay, we're not we're not doing anything helpful here. But we also have to remember we live in a culture and a generation of egos, mm-hmm. of um, I need I want to be liked, I know how to appeal, I can appeal to whoever I need to appeal to. And that's what the not what the church, but that's what many churches or actually what many congregations have done and many pastors have done is uh, and I think there's a lot of reasons for this that I, I don't have answers for. And I've talked to Dylan about this plenty of times, but I do think that we've gotten to a place where we need to be liked, not just pastors, mostly all of us. We all need to be liked. And if we're not, I like some, to be liked, dog. I'm, well, yeah, of course. It does feel of nice. Of course we do. Of course we do. <laughs> Makes me happy. But I'm just what I'm it. saying is when that becomes priority over the truth of the gospel, what right. happens is people are looking for change, miss out on change. Um, because what we've done is say, no, it's okay. Yeah, you're good. good. Come on in. Yeah, come here. And they're like, wait, well, I came here because I hated where I was at. And you're just telling me to keep staying where I'm at. That's not helpful for anybody. On the flip side, not even on the flip side, but I think another part of this is, and I, again, I don't have answers for this. And I don't even know how biblical it is, but hear me out. You're off to a good start there. <laughs> hear me out. Uh, Everyone just turn well, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. And then tell me where I'm at is I've looked at it as I picture if I'm a pastor, right? And my son depends on you three tithing at this church. Well, guess what? I have to make sure you guys stick around and I don't bother any of you or say something that's going to make you leave because my son needs to eat and I'm depending on you guys to make sure my son eats. So I'm going to avoid certain things that I know are going to bother you, going to bother you or going to bother you because I need to make sure you guys stay here. Mm-hmm. That's a problem to me. That's a that's a problem. And I don't know, again, I don't have answers for it, but I think we've seen that happen in plenty of, not all, not all, but most of churches that are like, I have to really cater to those that are tithing at my church. And we do. Yeah, that's fair. And I think one thing that I want to preface too with is the Bible, these things that... Um, people have written paul different disciples like uh they're written to like specific people groups but for everybody obviously right they're written for specific people they're to certain people but they're for everybody like meaning everybody after that we could all read it all that good stuff and so i think i was talking to robert earlier about this i think christians we tend to think like oh man these things that are in the scriptures like we need to take that judgment and bring it on the whole entire world when 
we need to look back, and that's what Jesus did, right, in his work. But he did he came with the perfect balance of truth and love. When the ones that are more in-depth with like, hey, don't do this, don't do this, especially in the New Testament, these were written by people to um, newly founding churches. So places where it's like sin, they don't really know what to do, but they're Christ, they want to follow Christ, and they're kind of still living how they were. And so these letters were written, especially the letters from Paul, to these new churches to be like, hey, this is biblical correction. This is what you do. And I think that as Christians, because you're you're all into that right now, like that correction type stuff. And so that's, <laughs> but like for the church, that's totally cool. Like you could be, especially if you're coming from a place of a leadership and a place of um, authority as Paul was, which that's that's a tough to even try to, compared to somebody like him like when you're right and you're correcting church that's totally cool that's there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong that's a good thing yeah that's a great thing you know because the heart is i want the church to thrive exactly Mm -hmm. yeah and then so but this idea and this is where i get a little like i don't know but i don't know if it's necessarily i need to tell the whole world um about tithing because it's in the bible and this is what needs to be done i just use that example because that's what you brought up but more necessarily those outside of the church, I just need them to understand who Jesus is first. So my job isn't necessarily meant to, they need to understand all of the biblical corrections and teachings mm-hmm. first, rather, no, they just need to see who Jesus is because that's exactly what Paul did. These peop- these places he visited, he that's what he did first. And then he hears back that all this stuff is happening when these churches are forming. He's like, okay, now that you guys are getting to a place, it's like, now let's talk about correction. He's like, some of you are infants. I can't even feed you anything but milk. Mm-hmm. He talks about Christians who still live in their carnal ways. And then he also talks about, this is all in First Corinthians. And then he talks about Christians who are like at a level where they can judge and correct other people mm-hmm. who can't be corrected by anybody but God. And that's like a whole nother level. So I... I hear the 100% correction and all that stuff. That's totally cool. Christ follower to Christ follower. But the the wall is built up and the kind of the gap happens when you try to take that same intention towards somebody who's outside of the faith. Does that make sense? I definitely think so. But I also, on the flip side, I think the world is sick. But how can you expect the church to help heal the world through the good news of Jesus Christ? Because God, you know, he's the the miraculous physician. Um, how are we supposed to do that when the church is sick? So it, I think it's a flip side of the coin. I think definitely there's time and place, but the church itself is sick. And you need to help the church get better. And I think, like I said, there's time and place. And I don't think, like, I'm not going to talk to, you know, maybe Jake is a, a new Christian. And Keith you know, she's very mature Christian, been to faith her whole life. I'm not pretty not, right already. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to them and maybe True. say the same thing. I'm going to talk more so focus on sanctification where, you know, maybe with Kaylee, it's just like, hey, it's like more fine-tuning things because mm-hmm. there's a lot going on with it. Yeah. Well, I just, I, every, one second. Everything I said was just to like differentiate those things because I think Absolutely. I think we get those things mixed up, especially exactly. nowadays. Yes, exactly. we should we should uh, clarify this for a second because I said, Dylan, knows, I say this all the time, but this is where Dylan and I are a little bit different in a sense. And it sounds like you're probably closer to me and it sounds like you might be closer to Dylan. Um we sit next to each other. You're just, I'm gleaning on But I could be wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. Only because no, I you're, you're, you're but, right. But uh, like Paul, <laughs> <laughs> Paul, 
Paul in Galatians confronts Peter, right? Because Peter's going back and he's starting to conform right. back with the Jews. And he's like, wait, wait, what are you doing? Why are you telling them they need to be circumcised? What are you, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. He's doing the whole thing, right? And Paul like confronts him publicly and is like, no, you're don't screw this up because there's people that are depending on you to get this right. And that's an important thing. My, it seems that as I progress, my passion, not passion, but like, it seems like I'm more inclined. I have a, a heart for Christians that I think are lacking or not hitting their potential. Okay. Hmm. Where I'm like, no, 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 you can be so much better than this and you're not right now, but you can be, and let's make that happen. And I think it sounds like Jerry's kind of like that too. And it's because we love the church. It's because I want the church to be the strongest it can be. Um, Whereas Dylan, and it sounds like you maybe as well, Dylan, he'll see the non-believer everywhere he goes. I don't see it necessarily that way. I'm thinking all about like, dude, why is the church this? Why is the church? What we got to be like, we got to help this this guy. And Dylan's like, there's so many people that need to come to know Jesus. Those are two more important, most important things. And the reason I brought that up is because Paul eventually says, okay, Peter, you go to the Jews. I can't reason with them. You need to go to the Jews. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And so we see that there's like different people are going to be met for different things. And those are both good things. So we talk about truth and love. I think we all need to have a balance of both. But I do think that people are going to be more inclined elsewhere. So we're, we're talking about correction. We're talking about this. We're referring to the Christian who quote unquote knows better. Exactly. Right? And I think that's, and it's so, and I feel like it just boils down to this idea of, of Jesus meeting people where they're at. And that's what church should be. And you said it perfectly earlier. Like we need to talk to people and what stages they're at with Christ. Like we can only, if people have no idea who Jesus is, there's no way they're going to listen to us if we come at them with the, well, this is all, Let's here's the list of tithing <laughs> yeah. and here's the laundry list of things you're doing wrong. That's okay. Like, you know, exactly. Like all these like more fine tuning things, these whatever, like people, what they need to hear is, the gospel first and foremost, whereas someone who has been in the faith for a while and is still in this um, way of sin, like, it's like, okay, let's have these conversations exactly to reach your potential. Why aren't you doing certain things? But I feel like that's exactly the types of conversations Jesus would have with us. If he was here with us, he would look at us in our hearts and see where we're at and meet us exactly where we are. And I feel like as a church, we're not doing that. We're only catering to one certain, right. maybe one certain stage of where people are, or maybe one demographic of people. Yeah, and maybe this idea of people leaving the church kind of boils down to um, exactly what you two are talking about. And because the thing is, I think a great church would do well. I mean, there's so many spiritual giftings as well to, to use these things alongside each other. And I think um, when you get, say... You guys got a bubble there and I got a bubble here. Me and Kaylee start a church. It's going to be super uh, not enough, maybe, correction, you know? And then maybe if you two just start a church, it's like only, like, here's, and then maybe it's just like both of us are just, we just stay at 10 people forever or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because people who come to our church after like a a year, five years, like, "Uh, I'm not really growing or doing anything, you know? And maybe who go over here is like do I ever do anything right or no? And I think it, it, a lot of it comes down to like spiritual gifting as well. Cause I feel like my spiritual gifting is definitely, um, you know, I definitely have some discernment, but a lot of it is like discipleship. And I feel like that's kind of like where I'm called to be. I can't, for me, like I'm not like the college scout that finds like the needle in the haystack, the diamond in the rough, like, Oh, that's the one, like I'm the one, like 
you got to bring it to me like cool let's fine-tune those skills buddy let's kind of get there and i think that's just kind of the different thing where i can i wouldn't say i'm more like the evangelizer or someone evangelized like i'm all about telling the good news and i like inviting people to church and i love that but where i feel like i really thrive or where god's placed me is to be like cool where where are you struggling jake well where can i help you come in and do that and i wanted to be like to disciple those people and i think that's kind of why my mindset is the way it is because God's like, hey, this is what I want you to do. And I think it differs from, especially from your perspective, because it, it's a little bit different. You do have the discipleship well as well, but you are more so like heart for the hurting and getting in there. Not that mine's not, but it's it's a different sort of mindset because I think the giftings are also different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people need to realize as well. I think maybe your gifting is catered for something specific in the church just because you don't have the same gifting as mine doesn't mean you can't also maybe, you know, correct or uh, fix something or, or, you know, meld something together. But you have a specific gifting from God because he sees your heart and he knows, boom, Kaylee's is meant specifically for this in the church. And we're all we're all the body of Christ because without Dylan, we would mess up. Without Kaylee's, we'd mess up. Without Jake, we'd mess up. Without me, we'd probably be okay. But <laughs> true, so we all true. have meaning and purpose. There's specific purpose. That's for the only all true us. thing you've ever said. Yeah, and it, you're that, agreeing with me all day, bro. <laughs> you are. You're on fire today. <laughs> that is what I think will start to begin this healing process mm-hmm. of the church. You said the people outside are sick. The people inside the church are sick. It's like okay, something's got to change here, right? Yeah. And I think these conversations are so healthy to that because. If we're divided within our church specifically, Av, we're going to just follow the same patterns that we've been seeing, mm-hmm. you know? If we uh, just continue to do, well, we're just going to continue to be how it's always been. It's like we're just going to keep going down this path that's the church is going down a steady decline since I think like mm-hmm. the 70s or 80s or something, or the 90s, excuse me. Um, and that's not what I want for us. I want the, I want this... Like, Av Church is always built on this idea that I don't want to be the talking head that's just there every Sunday, and it's like, well, here's what Dylan thinks again every Sunday. It's like, I want the the different perspectives. I want um, people of the faith to come together and be like, oh, no, I hear you there, but I think this is really the right direction. And there's not, there's going to be times where I'll make hard calls, of course, but I love these conversations because this is, like I said, it provides healing. It yeah. provides movement forward past like this generation, mm-hmm. our generation, my generation of this feeling neglected and feeling mm-hmm. like I'm kind of ostracized or mm-hmm. I, I'm not in the bubble because I think a little bit differently or I'm not in the bubble because I messed up and instead of being met where I was at, I got met with like, you did what? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, this is a very revealing conversation because I think what we're seeing is like, it would be, uh, it would be what's the word harmful for you to be like Jake you need to be like this like me mm-hmm. and it would be harmful for me to be like no Dylan you need to be like me mm-hmm. and you need to be like and Kaylee's you need to be like me and you'd be like Dylan like that no what needs to happen is you need to be exactly who God called you to be designed mm-hmm. you to be the feelings the inclinations you have towards people towards demographic like that's who God told you to what he told you to do I need to champion you to go do that and and vice versa where it's like, Jake, you're more, or Jerry, you're more like, hey, there's people within the church that need a fire under their butt. And sometimes it comes off a little harsh to those people. But I need to champion you to get that going, to light that fire sometimes. That's a good, healthy thing. Yeah. Well, know? and it's like we all work together in that too. Yes. It's not just right. like, all right, we're going to come in, 
Jared, you're going to go tell people what's up, Dylan. We're going to bring in a bunch of non-believers. Okay, everybody ready? Break. It's uh, like huh? having <laughs> these conversations. It's a way to be like, hey, Jake, like, okay, you know, my heart is like, okay, there's a lot of non-believers who don't want to come to church. They're not feeling it. Like, what, like, here's what I think. What do you see in that? How can we get them in in a loving, in a loving way, but still in a way that shows them that they need change? Mm-hmm. Or And it's like we can come to each other with like, hey, Dylan, there's people in the church that are really like Christians that are really struggling and they aren't, they aren't like being convicted. How do we correct them in a loving way that doesn't turn them away from who God is? And like having these conversations and using our spiritual giftings alongside each other is what propels, it's what will propel us forward and keep us the healthiest possible. And not just the four of us. Like no, yeah, everybody exactly. involved. Yeah, you know? no, exactly. Can't do all. That's, that's a lot of pressure. But I think it's because Jerry counts as a half. So there's only three, <laughs> a quarter. <laughs> but I think that's what's great because it's like, if I think about it too, like we're all, you know, we're all beneficial to one another. Everybody mm-hmm. in the church is because if you think about your significant other, there are things your significant other has that's you know absolutely fantastic that complements you in such a great way. Like without Jess. I would have zero empathy for any people whatsoever. Like, I'm like, no, like, I just don't care. And she's like, you need to be a little bit nicer. And I'm like, but that's what's great is because like, that's where people in the church compliment. You're going to compliment me. I'm going to compliment you. Jake's going to compliment all of us. And it's like, that's what's it's beautiful about church. And yeah, it's not perfect, but I think I remember PJ was talking, it was a, it was a message a while ago, maybe like a year or even two years ago about how, um, about all these different, like, I think horses or mules in the stable and just dung piling up. And it's talking about almost like church. Every church is going to have its, its dung because we as people, mules and mules, we're going to create our own crap and we're going to bring it with us everywhere we go. But it doesn't matter because God still created the church. Some, something beautiful out of all that, mm-hmm. out of all that crap. It's mm. true. <laughs> we're just all a little, a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you don't follow us. You follow Jesus. True. And we got to do our best to point people to that, not to ourselves. Mm -hmm. There's like a whole can of worms I want to open up with that idea, but I'm not going to do it. We'll save it for another time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I think that's a good closing, a good ending, Mm -hmm. and kind of just an encouragement, I think a challenge for people to really step into a serving role at church, uh, whether it's our church or a different church. I'm for the church at large. And something that I think is healthy to that is just having those open conversations and having that like, okay, how do we move forward? And if people meet you with like resistance, like, Oh no, no, this, no, that it's like, no, we can't, you probably may want to find somewhere else or maybe it's dope. I don't know. Maybe you like that. Um, uh, But that was a good closing to what we talked about. And I think all in all, we just realized that, Hey, a lot of the pettiness that we put on God is really just the lens that we view of ourselves, or we view of others or how we've seen God from other people. So if you're in that spot where you're, you're just always going through that circle in your head, constantly i would encourage you to seek god for yourself and seek him through the scriptures through prayer and and maybe start to question your upbringing like what what is it in me that makes me feel like i'm not good enough for god or he's always watching over me you know and Mm -hmm. really dissect that and unpack that but uh we've had jerry we've had jake we've had kaylee's thanks for being here Remember yep. to subscribe on YouTube, leave a review beer, 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 on Apple uh-huh. Podcasts. We got the pop-up Ooh. this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Harrison Park. 
Um, we hope to see people there. COVID's slowing down a little bit from what I see. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't really read it. I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> I was going to make not, a joke. I'm not going to yeah, lie. It is, it is slowing down and we're thankful for it. I'm not going to lie. We're on the upswing. Ah, the upswing. The back nine of COVID. There we go. So Ooh, the back nine's always my best. <laughs> <laughs> Or golf joke. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully we'll see you guys there. Harrison Park, Riverside, 10 a.m. But it's been fun. It's been real. And we love you guys, huh? Peace yeah. out, y'all. Love you all. <gasps>